First of all, I want to thank you for the opportunity of being here. It's a great privilege to be able to share God's Word with you today. Most of you know, like Al said, I've been doing this for 10 years at, at uh, Impact. And it's, it's a, a very fitting time that I would thank the leadership of Rock Hills. This is really the, the best church that we have on all of these projects. 50 plus men have gone from Rock Hills in over eight years. I especially want to thank Al Hassler because he and Jan have been our, our greatest encouragers. They've been the one who, have, when difficulties there, you can always count on Al. Al's been on every single water project since Hardinas in 2011. That's eight different water projects. That's a new record, except for me. <laughs> Us two old guys have a great time together. In Honduras, they call me Hombre Viejo. That means old man. So I'm the old man around there, but I'm having the time of my life. Thank you for this opportunity. But before we get started, I want to commit this time to the Lord. <clears throat> Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you've left your word, and it is so powerful in our lives, Lord. It transforms us. It changes us. And so, Lord, we come before you today just to unfold a great truth out of the treasure of all that you have left us in your word. Father, it's powerful, it's living, and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Today, Lord, do that in our life. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a mentor who many years ago, he died probably about 15 or 20 years ago. But he told me about 35 years ago that a man only receives about four or five acorns of truth in his life. And that one of those acorns, if it's planted in the right soil, becomes an oak tree in your life. That truth became a reality in my life that I want to share with you this morning. Became a reality in my life many years ago. It's an oak tree. I want to share it with you. It's a question that I want to start with this morning. Who am I? Who are you really? What's your identity? Socrates, 2,400 years ago, said, Know thyself. Shakespeare in Hamlet, one of his characters said, To thine own self be true. Tim Keller, a modern day theologian, says that our identity is really the key issue. He says there are self-evident truths that are in our culture today, and if you question those, it's tantamount to questioning the air we breathe. What he's saying is there are certain truths in our life that we've identified as foundational. Whether they're true or not, if you question those in our culture today, it's a volcanic eruption that begins to blow up. And all over our country, there are volcanic eruptions because people are questioning our identity, who we are. But as a believer, there's only two things that our identity is rooted in. One, to know God, and second of all, to know yourself. I, I wish that I had the opportunity to take all of you on a water project in a remote village in Honduras. 
We've been doing these for 10 years, 33 different projects, 250 men. And you take that man and you let him leave everything and go into a remote village in the middle of nowhere, leave his home, his culture, his work, his cell phone, and everything behind and put those men around a table and let them tell your story. It gets very raw. It gets extremely transparent as broken hearts and broken lives begin to share those stories. Divorce, abandonment, abuse, moral failure, addictions. It's a story that's a reflection of the culture and the day and the times in which we live. Many times it's with incredible tears, incredible pain that these guys are going through. And yet, as they tell their stories, there's a common theme. It's a message that begins to radiate in their lives because at some point they're in this transition of this journey of faith to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and all of a sudden everything begins to change. Transformation. Hope, restoration, you see it in these guys' lives. A new status, a new identity, a new healing begins to take place. One writer says that the gospel is just like a fairy tale. A fairy tale, you say. Well, let me tell you what he says. There's one thing that I find that most often is more is, is most as good as a fairy tale. Find their truth, resonating that to the degree, and they reflect the greatest story that's ever told. He says the gospel is like a fairy tale. What do you mean a fairy tale? Well, let's take you back a little bit. Remember Cinderella? You remember the story? At the end of the story, the, the king goes to the to the uh, daughter's house of, of the man, and he sees these three daughters, and he, he, he says, no, this is not Cinderella. Do you have any other daughters? And this is what the man says. Well, there's this little stunted kitchen wrench, which my, left, my late wife left behind, but she can't possibly be the bride. But the king insists. He says, I want to see her. Well, she's too dirty. She can't come. But the king insists. And so they bring her to the king. She washes her hands and feet. He takes off the wooden shoe. He slips on the slipper. And do you remember what he said? He says, this is my bride. Think about that, folks. That's the great story of the gospel. That's who we are. We are the bride of Christ. Listen to Revelation chapter 21. Bowls full of seven plagues came and said to me, Come and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. As a pastor for 40 years, I had the privilege of doing a lot of weddings. And over 40 years, I've never seen an ugly bride. Not once. Put on that white dress, put her at the back of the church, 
The music starts. The bride, the, the groom is at the front and he looks and almost invariably he's choked up. He's seeing the beauty of this woman. That's his bride. That's what Jesus says about me and about you. Listen to the Song of Solomon. You've stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel from your necklace. He says about me and about you, you have stolen the heart of the bride of Jesus. You're His bride. In Psalms 34, He says those who look to Him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. A relationship with Jesus. My face is radiant. Capture that thought. I'll never be covered with shame. In Zechariah, he says, The Lord their God will save them on the day as the flock of their people, and they will sparkle in the land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they are. We sparkle like jewels in a crown. We do. The power of the gospel, folks. When Jesus died, He put all of our sin on the cross, past, present, and future. The last words He said, to let's die, it is finished. The debt is paid in full. And if that weren't enough, He places a new dress on us. The robes of righteousness of Jesus, which are absolutely perfect. He sees us as if we're perfect. He takes out the old heart. He puts in a brand new heart. He fills us with the Spirit of God. And He places, listen to this, the very life of Jesus is in me. The life of the person who created everything by the word of His voice now lives in me. I ask you a question this morning. Who are you? Your faces are radiant, he says. And they're never covered with shame. Because the glory of God is in you. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is the outshining of all that God is. The outshining of all that God is lives in you and in me. What a powerful truth, folks. But the reality is most, per- most people, most believers, live in a fog of poison of their own making. Believing the lies and the deception of Satan and they've got tapes that used to play in my head all the time. It's the same tapes. I'm bad. My heart is bad. I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. I'm full of guilt and shame. And we become, we become in a prison of our own making because of what we believe. Do you want the truth this morning? Do you really want to know what God says? Listen to Joseph. Genesis chapter 45. Remember the story? 
brothers sell him into slavery and bondage. He's taken into Egypt. Potiphar's wife lies about him. He's in prison. Some theologians say anywhere from 3 to 13 years. All kinds of difficult things happening to him. He rises miraculously to become second in command of all of Egypt. And then his brothers come back. You know, as they come into the story, this is what they said. Joseph said to his brothers, he's revealing himself now. I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Tell my father about all the honor accorded to me in Egypt and tell them about everything that you have seen. When you go back, you tell them who I am. You tell them about all the honor that the king has bestowed upon me. That's who we are. That's who we are in the sight of God. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, you're the bride of Christ. Your beauty has captivated Him. You're attractive. That's what the Gospel does. It's the outshining of the glory of God in our lives. Do you remember Peter? In the Gospels, always putting his foot in his mouth. Always getting in trouble. At the end of of the Gospels, he denies the Lord three times. Then the miracle happens. God takes out that old heart and gives him a new heart. God pours His Spirit upon him. He endues him with the Spirit. He stands up on the day of Pentecost and He reveals Jesus to thousands of people and 3,000 people's lives. Changed from a man who went from a failure to a child of the king. That's what Pentecost does. That's what happened when we unveil Christ. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters of stone, came with glory. <clears throat> So that the Israelites could not steady look at the face, steadily look at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading as it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses, who put a veil over our face to keep the Israelites from gazing at, while the radiance was fading away. And we, who with an unveiled face all reflect the glory of the Lord, are transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As I look at Jesus, folks, as I behold Him, a miraculous occurrence begins to take place in my heart. I begin to be changed from one degree of glory to the next. But you see, 
I got to take the veil off. I had to take my veil off. I was raised on the poor side of the cracks. I was not smart. I was at the end of my class. At, nine, at eight years old, my dad abandoned us. There was three generations of alcoholism all the way through our family. Destroyed our family previously. I was a nobody. I had very little hope or very little future. And on my bed at the University of Arkansas, 51 years ago, I took the veil off. He took it off. And he put the light and the light of Jesus in me, the seed of the gospel. And what that seed does is absolutely incredible. The seed starts transforming us. One degree of glory to the next. But we have to take the veil off. You say, well, what about Romans chapter 7? I, you know, there are things that I don't want to do I find myself doing. There are things that I don't want to do that I, that I do want to do and I don't have the power to do it. Then Paul says in that saying, well, nothing good dwells within me. Now, here's the conditional phrase. That is in my sinful nature. He does not say there is nothing good that dwells within me. He said, there's nothing good that dwells in my sinful nature. And Galatians 5 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, they have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. But for the most part, that's not what I hear. I see people who spend all of their time just trying to manage their sin. They sulk in the cellar of despair of shame and guilt. They hide their light under a bushel and they're living under the condemnation of the evil one. And they say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, which is another way of saying, I'm no good, I'm a wretch, I'm ready to sin at any moment, I'm incapable of any goodness, I am far, far from the glory of God. But I have crucified. I have put on the cross that old nature. I've declared that to be dead to sin. And now I'm alive to God. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, listen to this. I know something that no other man has ever known before. God revealed to me something that no other man ever knew before. It's a mystery, but it's now revealed. And the great truth is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the liberating truth. The person of Jesus now lives in me. His glory lives in me.
Listen to Philippians chapter 2. So that you might become blameless and pure children of God without fault in the middle of a crooked and, and depraved generation in which you shine like stars as you hold out the word of life. Folks, we're born to be the light. We're born to take off the veil. We're born to take off the wounds of the past and all the damage of the childhood that we went into. To take off all the abuse and the divorce and the heartache and the guilt and the shame. I've watched these guys for eight years go from Rocky Hills. I've watched the seed of the gospel. I've watched it planted in these guys. And I've watched this miraculous transformation as they tell their stories, especially multiple trips. The Jose's, the Sergio's, the Miguel's, the Larry's, on and on and on. Fifty guys. Something miraculous is happening. Progressively, as I fix my eyes on Jesus, progressively, I am changed, listen to this, from one degree of glory to the next by the ministry of the Spirit. Listen to Psalms chapter 16. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom I delight. You're glorious. You and I reflect life of Jesus himself deep inside every single one of us here are asking the same question do I have enough am I enough you look at a photo you know what you're looking for when you when you're looking for yourself is there something about me that differentiates me what's my identity who am I But in reality, folks, it's not about your story. It's about His story. It's about restoring you to the glory that you have of being a light to the world. Letting your glory shine. Letting God be fully alive in your life. But so many are assaulted by the enemy. The enemy is so effective. We settle for so much less. We are stuck many times just managing our sin. Coming to church and being nice people. Is that all there is? Is that all there is just to manage my sin? Coming to church and being a nice guy? Folks, I have the opportunity. You have the opportunity to have The light of Jesus living, the person of Jesus living inside of you and radiating His light, His love, His majesty, His power, His wisdom, and His grace every single day of our lives. But I've got to take off the veil. I've got to take off the lust and the anger and the bad decisions and the failures and the wounds of the past. problem is, most people are still trying to cover themselves with their own fig leaves. 
Think about that. Take off that fig leaf. Take off what you've tried to do to cover yourself. And come to the only one who can make you perfect. Who covers you with the righteous robe of Jesus. And he looks through the righteousness of Christ and he sees you as if you're perfect. I remember sitting in a class two years after I was a Christian and a missionary said that same thing. Do you realize that you're perfect in Jesus? The perfection of Christ lives within you. That rocked my world. We can't cover ourselves. Honest confession. Yes, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But I am so much more than that. I'm a saint. I'm one who has been called out to be a vessel of God. A clay pot, if you would, to contain the treasure of Jesus in this clay pot. To to display His mercy and His love and His kindness and His grace and His life to everyone around me. I'm the bride of Christ. I reflect the beauty and the love of who He is. I ask you a final time. Who are you? If you're looking inside to try to find something to give to God for your identity, you'll look forever and you'll never find it. Everything that I have is a gift of His grace. He gave it to me. A kid who was nothing, who was no one, whose whole generation was messed up. And He changed me. And He made me different. And now as I look at Him, I'm changed. I look at Him and I see Him. He does something miraculous in me. He'll do that same thing for you. But you have to look at Him. You have to believe. Last story I'm going to tell you. My youngest son told me. Probably about six months ago. We're having breakfast one morning. He said, Dad, there's two laws that operate all the time on this earth. Law of gravity and the law of aerodynamics. And he said, there's two laws that operate all the time Spiritually, the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He said, let me tell you how it works. He said, you know, you get in a 737 and you sit in the seat and all of a sudden the engines come on and they're roaring at maximum velocity and they lift the brakes off and off you go. And you start roaring down that runway and when you hit 150 miles an hour, the law of gravity stops. And a greater law takes over. It's a law of aerodynamics. On top of that wing, lift comes up. And all of a sudden, it defies the law of gravity, and you begin to fly. Folks, I lived under the law of sin and death for 19 years. I was condemned, I was guilty, 
I had a bad heart. I was doing exactly what my whole family had done. And then Jesus found it. And all of a sudden, a new law takes over. And as long as I'm looking at Jesus, as long as I'm believing that pilot and sitting in that seat, I don't have to do anything but believe. I just got to trust Him. I just got to look at Him and realize, Lord, You're changing me. You said You would. In one degree of glory to the next. And they start seeing it. And your kids see it. And your wife sees it. Your husband sees it. People around you see it. And they come and ask you the same way that I ask my roommate. What is it in your life that you have that I don't have? It's the light of the glory of the gospel. So one question for you today. You want to know who you are? You want to know who he says you are? We've been over there. All you have to do is just believe. Just rest in what he's done for you. Rest in him restoring you back to his original purpose. To be a light and life to the world. Would you pray with me? Father, it is so easy to listen to the voice of the enemy, especially as a young believer, Lord, to get trapped in the cellar of despair, to get trapped in, our, in managing our own sin and not really looking at the gospel, really looking at Jesus and who He is and what He is. God, I would pray for every single person here this morning that we would take the veil off. Take the veil of the hurts and the failures of the past and realize that that's why you died, Lord. Father, it is finished. The debt is paid in full and now you dress us in the wedding garments. And we begin to display the beauty of Jesus. Father, you place a new heart into our life. You give us new desires. Father, then you put the great treasure of Jesus himself, of his presence in our lives. And you change us. God, today, we pray that that's what you would do in every heart here, that we would fix our eyes on you and you would change us from one degree of glory to the next. In his name.